When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TalkSport 2, official broadcast partner of the Premier League. Racing live on TalkSport 2. Great to have your company. Emmett Kennedy, Lee McKenzie in the hot seat. And I'm delighted to say that I am joined by one of the best jockeys of his generation, the recently retired Davey Russell, legend of the game. Davey, welcome to Racing Live on TalkSport 2. Thanks very much. Yeah. A huge decision taken by you in December to call a halt to your career and what a glorious career it was. But when Liberty Dance crossed the line in front, had your mind been made up or was it a really difficult decision to end your, your riding career? Uh, no, no, it wasn't a difficult decision. It was difficult, I suppose. It was never difficult. No, look people have been trying to retire me for the last I don't know how many years you know when you reach a certain age they feel that you're kind of obliged to to announce a retirement but I I, I, I was really enjoying um, the last couple of years riding it was fantastic obviously I had a, a nasty injury and I thought it was important you know when I was given the all clear that I, I made the full recovery and came back and rode and I was over the moon with the decision I made there and um, then you know I'm 43 years of age. I could have rode on. There's no doubt about it. I could have rode on. I was I was very happy with the way everything was going. But it's just I didn't really want to get go bitter to the whole thing and and end up 
the decision me stopping for to be you know an injury or or rides drying up or something to that effect do you know what I mean I just wanted to get there before anything had forced me to do it you know you wanted to go out on your terms I did I just I was happy I was able to d- throw all the kids into the car and Adele and my my dad and my my family at home here all came and it was it was a marvelous day and you know not everybody gets that opportunity so I was I was I was glad that I that I went that way you know the life of a jockey is just filled with risk uh, as you well know you've suffered many a bad injury but particularly the injury in 2020 in the Munster National which took you out for 11 months it wasn't until September 2021 that you came back Uh, that was a C6 and a C7 vertebrae that you'd fractured during your recovery I know that there were people close to you as you're saying, people were trying to retire you, uh, but people were saying, are, are you mad to go back? Was there ever a, a period of time during that, Davey, that you thought, maybe it's best to just call a hold to it now? Or was there something driving you to make make it back to the race course? Uh, well, there, there wasn't people close to me now. It was people far away from me were, <laughs> were indicating that I should retire. Uh, there was no one close to me uh, ever mentioned to me. They might have been thinking it, but my wife and and the kids and everything they didn't they were happy enough um and there was reasons for me not to retire well if the injury had to stop me that was fine you know and I would have been able to accept that but it wasn't going to stop me and nobody had said it was going to stop me so I didn't need to um stop trying to get better because it was kind of hard and and there, there was a lot of damage done and not alone the damage inside that was perfect because I was so well looked after by surgeons like we're so lucky in this country that the people we have the the surgeons we have in the in this country are fantastic and so his last words were to me were your neck is stronger now than it was before he put the the steel in you know so um that's that box was ticked and then after that if I had accepted then that I had enough I, I I'm not sure I would have got the full moving back in my neck the way I did because I had to do unbelievable work to get it back, you know, and with no end goal um, to do it, it would have been an awful lot harder and it may not have, have healed quite as well as it did. Do you know what I mean? So I, I made a decision that I was fully determined to get back riding for that reason to, to make sure that I make 100% recovery. And um, it worked. And then, like, I didn't decide to ride. I didn't decide to ride in Downpatrick until declaration time the morning before, you know. Um, so it was that. It was pretty much. And it just felt right. So I'd schooled a lot of horses that morning in gardens. We'd schooled maybe three lots. And I just felt it clicked. Every horse winged down over the fences. And I was happy to go back. And I just said to declare me on a few horses there. And... And he did, and that was it. We just started the, the, the ball rolling again. When you look back on your career, what was the highlight? Was it being Irish champion jockey? Uh, was it the Gold Cup? Those grand nationals on Tiger Roll? What stands out most to you? Look, I, 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 it's hard to know. Like, I suppose different people look at things in different ways, but I I can't... Like, there was no one moment that really defined um, everything because... I didn't allow it to because then maybe you might accept that you have enough if you have reached the top of the mountain. For me, I never 
want to feel that I've reached the top of the mountain because, you know, it's a slippery slope and every couple of years I ended up coming down a couple of notches and I had to work my way back up. Now, there's no, a number of reasons why I was able to do that. First of all is I had huge support and I had very good horses to ride. And no matter how good you are or who you are, unless you have people around you and the support of a load of different, there's a load of different pieces have to fit into the jigsaw. So to say that one point in my career, like I'll never forget my first ride. I'll never forget my first winner. I'll never forget my last winner. And I can pretty much remember every single one of them in between. And every one of them had their own significance. Like, let it be, you know, losing your five pounds claim, losing your three pound claim, using your seven pound claim, writing out your claim, all them things. I never thought that I'd ever do any of them things. I dreamt about them and but I never fixed the point that I'll be happy if I lose my claim or I'll be happy if I ride a hundred winners. I was never I never put a number on it. I never put a date on it. I never put anything on it. It was all on feel. Everything I'd done in my whole life was true feel and obviously some were right and some were wrong and that's just the way I go I still do it to this day if something feels right I do it if it doesn't feel right I'll change, try and change it you know or do something else but I never set a point and said wow jeez that was brilliant now it's it's you know if we can stay going on this level won't we be happy but if I had to say that after riding my first season then you know, I might be happy riding a couple of winners every year. I was never happy doing that. I just wanted to keep riding winners. And it's um, it's hard to explain it because when you get into something, and, and I was lucky, I was very, very lucky because when I rode my first winner, I rode my second winner. It, obviously, it was in a point-to-point, so it was, um, it, they only happened at the weekends or and sometimes and very rarely in the middle of the week or in a bank holiday or something like that. So I rode my first winner in Tallow. The next week, I rode another winner. In between that, I rode a, a hurdle winner and then on the track, my first winner on the track, and then I rode my first double, kind of. I and, and I was so lucky that I never had a period of time that I didn't have success bar, unless it was through injury. Do you know what I mean? And I was lucky earlier on in my career, I didn't have any bad injuries earlier on to, to halt that process. And it just kept going. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're in a position that, the winners are coming and coming and coming and you keep riding them and you keep uh, having success and it just keeps rolling on. So I, I never kind of sat up to think about any of them really, uh, you know. And those relationships, I mean, one of the relationships that you've had that was key throughout your career was the bond between you and, and Gordon. And what I think is interesting about that is that you were jockeys together. You were palling around when... He was uh, riding out before he would go to, to Martin Pipe. You were friends back then when he was a jockey. And then that relationship changed well, with him being a, a trainer uh, and you being an elite jockey and both of you tasting top level success at the Grand National. That, that friendship and that relationship, that working relationship as well, must have been hugely important. Well, it was. And look, Gordon has an, an uncanny way of understanding people and understanding situations. And he understood me really, really well. And, you know, it's a credit to him, the way he handled me as the same way a manager would handle a player. And he put huge confidence in me. Like he was just brilliant to work with. He's an amazing man. 
and his drive then like if you don't succeed on a day it's not only you that's that's not succeeding it's the whole team around you like it's a team effort um in Colin Trab with Gordon and all his staff and his staff are very much invested in the whole thing and his owners, the owners are, are he's an incredible bunch of owners and they're so understanding and they're so invested in it. So um, he never put pressure on me. Um, he always felt that, look, I think maybe once I may not have just been pulling my weight and he'd set you right straight away, you know, before that lingered on to something else, he nipped it in the bud and we put it behind us very quick. Um, but he's just an incredible man. And he dealt the way he dealt with me or the way I felt anyway when I was writing for him was I've never felt it with anybody else. So did the Grand National win on Tiger All, the first one, that must have then created even more emotion for you, that it's not just the fact that you've won arguably the most important race in the entire world, but you, that you've done it for your friend. Yeah, it was it was very easy to enjoy it, anyway, and <laughs> it was it was as easy it was as easy, you know. I was I was never distant from the celebration. It was all one big unit of us celebrating together, and oh, it was a special it was a special special time now. And he was a special horse, and you know, a remarkable horse really with what he done. And but more to the point, the way he was handled. Do you know what I mean? And like I can remember waking up and waking up in gardens the next morning or one of the mornings afterwards, and um, <laughs> and I had to go down right out. Do you know what I mean? I'd been better off. I went home because I might have got a lion. But <laughs> you had to get down. You had to get back in. Get your hands dirty again because you know there's no resting around there. You know, and it keeps pushing. And and unless you want to keep pushing with it, then you're not the person for the position, you know? I've done a number of Cheltenham previews with you over the years, and when we'd come to the Friday, and I'd be asking you for your advice, invariably, you would just grab the microphone and say, I've got the best bet for Friday. Stay in bed until the county hurdle. Just turn up late. Skip the juvenile hurdle. Skip the triumph. You don't want to be turning dirty flat rats. Since Tiger Roll's success, and of course, ironically, you won the Triumph Hurdle on Tiger Roll. Have you changed your mind on the old juvenile hurdlers? I'd say the juvenile hurdlers have changed rather than I've changed my mind. Um, they're a different kettle of fish nowadays. I suppose they're more national hunt um, based horses, as in they're French bred and they're. Um, they're different. Like Tiger Roll was an exception. He he was he's bred for the flat, but he actually never raced on the flat, so mm. he never had any bad habits. So you see, the problem with a triumph hurdle is, and it's it's fine. The flat lads teach him how to gallop before they teach him how to jump, and that's understandable. That's their job. They don't ever buy them horses to run in a triumph hurdle. Um, so then, the problem is they're not naturals. They're you know there's. There's very select few juvenile hurdlers come out to be very good national hunt horses. Now they will win races for sure, and it's a it's a it's a, it's a part of a game that needs to be um, supported. But at the same time, nowadays there are horses bred and trained, and they're specifically from the day they're born, they're being prepared to be juvenile hurdlers, which is completely different before and you can't afford them really good flat horses anymore because when they have a certain rating on the flat 
they're way too valuable to go abroad to like to Australia or America and them places. So the type of horse that we were buying for a Triumph Hurdle were worse, were a lesser uh, type of horse than what had been bought in the past, if you know what I mean. And now it's changed again that the horses that are running the Triumph Hurdle these days are, you know, bred from and reared to be juvenile hurdlers, you know. Yeah, it's actually it's just different time time changes and people need to change their mind and people need to shut their mouth at different times. You know what I mean? It's, you know, you have to lower, you have to move, move with the times and uh, move on. Well, it is interesting yeah. because in the 10, 15 years since those, those comments, like horses like blood destiny are bred for jumps, but they're just trained from a very young age in France and then come along. That's right. Uh, and lastly, yeah. so you get off with that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the famous cup of tea that Michael O'Leary took you for, you were obviously leading rider for, and top rider for, for Gigginstown, uh, and then there was the cup of tea. And Tiger Roll came about by a, a subplot. Brian had that really bad injury, um, so he was ruled out, and the person that Michael O'Leary turned to was you. You were back in, and straight, straight away that day, he got injured on the Thursday, first race on the Friday of Cheltenham, was Tiger Roll in, in the Triumph Hurdle, uh, and you were back in Michael O'Leary's colours. The relationship between both of you might have been strained, but it's always seemed to be very strong since that moment. Yeah, well, I suppose you don't miss a good thing until it's gone, isn't that it? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, no, look, I suppose it was a very intense time because there was a lot of horses, a lot of different trainers. There was a lot of boxes to be ticked as a job. You don't realise how much work needs to be done behind the scenes, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to cope with all of that. To be honest, I, I just, I, I just wasn't able to cope with it, and I, 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 I may not have been the best person to be around at the time. It was, it was, it was difficult for me, and I probably projected that onto the people that needed to be enjoying the day rather than listening to me. You know, kind of grunting and groaning about things and I used get fierce upset when I'd picked the wrong one, you know, when I'd picked the wrong horse and, you know, it was all catching up with me. But anyway, um, getting back to getting the job, or not the job back, but being available to ride the horses, um, I suppose the reason I rode Tiger Roll, it says there was no one left in the wear room to ride them. Do you know what I mean? You know, I suppose you know a lot of the lads were 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 had rides in the race, so they needed someone to ride them. And uh, but that's the beauty of Michael O'Leary and and Eddie. Obviously, you know, huge part of the whole of the whole thing. And Gordon, look, there was never a problem with Gordon because you know he was going to go along with whatever. Once the boys gave the gave the 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 thumbs up, but like you have to like if 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 I had fired someone. Well, maybe not. I'm I'm a forgiving kind of a person, but if if you're fired and you lost your job, and I hadn't ridden from at all, I may have ridden at second or third string or whatever, in between, and I never stopped riding them because I wanted to show that if this opportunity came, that I I, I wanted to be available for it, and then I had no ride in the race. It was actually quite queer because usually in Cheltenham you'd pick up a ride in the Triumph Hurdle because. Um, you know, there'd be a lot of smaller trainers would have runners in it, like you know. So, and they'd usually avail of your, um, of your, um, you know, whatever 
you'd, you'd get a ride in it. And I had no ride in it. I actually only had, I think I only had, I think I only had four or five rides in Cheltenham that year. Maybe at the most, I'd say four, four or five rides. And then obviously I had, um, I, I, I rode the Gold Cup winner and uh, I rode another winner for Jiggenstown as well um, in um, Savello in the, in the two mile handicap chase. So, mm. Yeah, so it actually turned out to be a marvellous few days, but it, it just turned back to, to to Brian. Then Brian came back from his injury, and he 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 rode. He he was back riding from, and then obviously I think uh, I think the next step then was uh, was um, they had two runners in one race and down Royal. One of them didn't run, and I was on the other horse, and he won. And then uh, the Galway Plate came along. Um, um, What's his name? Um, um, the horse he won the Ryanair. I won the Ryanair on him afterwards. Um, for Henry de Bromhead, Balco de Flo, Balco de Flo. He won the Galway Plate, and uh, it just kind of sealed it in that you know I could, you know, I was there to, and they had no jockey then, so it was open for who were available or whoever was good enough to ride the horses and. Luckily enough, I, Gordon has put me on a few of his, and, you know, that's the way it was. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And that that day in 2014 was magic because, as you said, you had the three winners from a, a limited book of rides on, on Gold Cup Day. But most importantly of all, not only was it Tiger Roll, who of course you'd go on to win two Grand Nationals on afterwards for Gordon and Gigginstown, but the Gold Cup as well. You're, you're, that, was, that was a tremendous Gold Cup, which I watched back again this morning, because you still think Bobsworth is going to win, and if he's not going to win it, you still think Silvio Ocaganti is going to be involved. And they both just stop, uh, and your fella comes through like a train with, with on his own. And, and then you had to endure that big stewards inquiry as well. That is the blue ribbon of racing. Do you, and I remember meeting you at a Cheltenham preview, I think a year later, and you, you had the, the Gold Cup trophy with you, um, and the crowd were going nuts for it. Did that change your career at that point? Yeah, well, I suppose uh, when, when, when you reach, um, when you become a jockey and, and you get to different levels, but first of all, you have to be capable of riding a winner, and then you have to be capable of riding winners without your claim, and then you have to be capable of riding, you know, big winners. And then you have to be capable of riding winners at the Cheltenham Festival. But to get to riding the winner of a Gold Cup means that you just can't, you don't come across a Gold Cup horse. You they, you have to, you know, you want to be extremely lucky to get a spare on a Gold Cup winner. Do you know what I mean? So it has to, um, it has to be manufactured somewhere along the line. And 
if you're going to win a Gold Cup, you have to be able to ride in them big races. And, you know, it's 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 just one of them races that is kind of is above the rest because it's so difficult, first of all, to find a horse and then to find a connection with the horse and stay on him and win races before that or get on really well with him before that and then to go there and actually tick all the boxes to win a Gold Cup, it's it's extremely hard. Like, you know, a national is is a bit of a, a dream, and, you know, the smallest of people, and I don't mean the smallest of people, but, you know, you, you, you can you can come across a national horse because it's a handicap, whereas a Gold Cup is the blue ribbon. Like, it is the All-Ireland final. It is the, you know, whatever it is, in other sports, it is the pinnacle of the of of our sport, and and to be lucky enough to ride in one is is enough, but to win it is is very very special. And I think to win it for Jim was probably pretty special as well. Yeah, well, he had his own um, he had his own um, identity with the Gold Cup, obviously after winning it three times, and then to win to ride the winner of a goal to three three gold cups and then to train the winner of it like that's spectacular altogether you know it was just you know it was just outrageous really uh, when you retired you were of the active riders the winning most cheltenham festival jockey 25 wins to your name at the festival what is it? Uh, well, no, if I, if if I got to this year now I'd say town and 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 jack would have a fair old <laughs> You know, so that's a bit, you know, a bit cheap selling that one. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. certain you'd have been banging in more winners at the Cheltenham Festival this well, year as well. Uh, we, we would have tried in that. And, and to be fair, you would have had a lot of firepower from Gordon's. Was that something playing in your mind? Because even at, at Christmas, Gordon had a lot of firepower. Was that in your mind as well, that you could write another grade one winner for Gordon? You could have another Cheltenham Festival winner? I'm what? sure they were there. They were there, but they're not guaranteed, you see. That's the problem with our sport there's nothing guaranteed in it and it doesn't matter like I don't book my flights to Cheltenham until the, the couple of days beforehand because it's pointless because you could be there's not much point booking your flights and it's kind of in my head nothing to do with anything else but just in my head that you have to get there safe and sound first and that's a, an achievement in itself you know and then the horses have to get there so you know Thinking about Cheltenham in 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 December or January, as in regards winners or what horses will go there, is 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 you know it's not in it's not in our mindset. You know, it's in everybody else's mindset because they're looking at it differently. But obviously, every day you go out, you're looking for a Cheltenham horse, or you're hoping that this horse will be a Cheltenham horse. But you just don't know that until it's very close to the to the to the actual deadline of the races. You know. Yeah, the week you announced your retirement, Frankie Dettori announced his, but he was announcing the Frankie Dettori farewell tour. I get the impression that you would hate something like that. That if if it was the media saying to you, "Oh, Davey, how do you feel about your last Cheltenham Festival? How are you feeling ahead of your last Grand National? How are you feeling ahead of your last bunch of stuff? I Don't think you'd like that at all. No, I wouldn't. And to be fair, I had my own um, farewell and. You know, it was going on for three years because, to be honest, I was people have me re- retired, so I was loving everything else, and I'd none of the hassle. I'd none of the hassle of anybody asking me or anybody talking to me, or I was just inside myself. I was so content. I was I used to go to the races, and and I was so content going there. I didn't have that many rides on a day, so I was able to concentrate 
very clearly on what I needed to do. And I just had so much fun. I, there was even days there I was at Jim Canna's with the lads and um, and uh, I, I might have only had one ride and I'd take Finn with me. You know, Finn or Lily would come with me to the races and, you know, the fun I had was was unbelievable. So, and I had none of the hassle of cameras or, or reporters or anything like that. And I must admit now, reporters in our game are exceptional people. You know, they're very, very good and they understand the game and they give you, they do give us plenty of peace and quiet, but it's just this whole constant going, like you go to Cheltenham, you go to Aintree, you go to Pontchastown, like it's a lot of questions and they're all the same ones, you know. Yeah, and that obviously can get as 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 Mrs. Mrs. Uh, what was your one's name? Mrs. On Doyle, the Father not, Ted. No, yeah, I'm not in the habit of repeating myself. Oh. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I thought um, you were going to say Mrs. Doyle. Like, no, go on, go on, go. On. No, no, no. You're one in the not in my Father Ted in killing a scully. That's sir. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I'm not in the habit of repeating myself, but um, that's uh, that's. That's what it is. It's just rep- repetitive, and and it's hard to keep saying the same things. But you know, when you say it the first time, you mean it, and and it comes out. And but then if you keep saying it and keep saying it, it just gets, you know, bland and annoying. And you know, people don't get the same. People get sick of you. You know, really like you know, especially in Ireland anyway. Like you know, you you know, they just get sick of it. They just get sick of the same person on the television the whole time. You know. Going on about the same thing. It's different. It's different if it's new and different every day. You know, unfortunately, we we need something new to keep us entertained. Yeah, well, that's true. I'm I'm like that as well. Um, yeah. One thing you're not going to have to put up with is the whip rule change. Although even the whip rule change is changing itself. But what do you make of that? Uh, they they have that wrong. They have that completely wrong. And you know, you must understand. Like one strike, if it's the wrong strike at the wrong time, in the wrong place. That's an offence. Now, it doesn't matter if it's 12 or if it's 2, but you need to understand, like, unless these people understand the game, as in the people that are enforcing the rule, if they don't understand the game. Now, like, if I watch a race and I see a guy hitting a horse at a certain part of the race, some things just really, really get under my nerves about the use of the stick. Um, there are races in races where where a horse, the 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 stick can be used, you know, eight times, nine times, all perfectly fine. But it's the times when the one one strike can be the wrong strike. So putting a number on it is not right. As it's not the answer. Like it's not the. It's, it doesn't matter what way you hold the stick. It doesn't matter what way, you know, you do anything with it. It's it's it, it, it's the way. It, it's again. It's all to do with feel. If a horse is responding for it, and and trust me, and, and I can put my hand in my heart, it's not hurting them. It is encouraging. Now, if the stick is not encouraging them, don't use it. You know, there's a, there's, there's a, and, and the only person, and that's true feel, but like to say you can hit them seven times, you know, that's, that's not the answer to the, to the whole thing. Because if you hit them seven times at the wrong part of the race or the wrong time, or if a horse is not responding, like if you hit them once at the wrong time, you know, that's an offense in my eyes. 
But if a horse is responding and he's going forward, and plus you must remember, there are obstacles in front of you, as in big black yokes. And unless you have that horse's full concentration on that obstacle in front of you, on the other riders around you, on the other horses around you, you've, you know, that's dangerous. That's dangerous for the horse and for the rider and the other people around him. So it is a necessity to have it. But the use of it is 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 not down to numbers. It's not down to it's not down to sixes and sevens. You know, if you if you hit a horse wrong once, that's an offense to me. But if you hit a horse eight or nine times correctly and get the full, you know, response from them, that's not an offense. If you know what it's it's the same with a child. It's the same, and trust me, oh God, I'm not saying I never ever raise a hand or anything. I'm just saying when you're explaining something to a to a, to a child, or if they do something, or if you do something wrong when you, while you're explaining it to them, you know you have to explain it right. It's the same way a jockey has to um, motivate a horse correctly because you can't tell him what to do. You know what I mean? You can't you can't tell a horse to go here or go there. You have to point them and do it for them. You have to do everything for them. You can't expect them to do it themselves because they're unable to do it themselves. They have to be taught and they have to be shown what to do, you know? Yeah, they're backing themselves into a very precarious corner, the BHA, because once you introduce a rule, it's really difficult to then remove it. Once that comes into uh, well, force, it's a thing. <sighs> Yeah, it's just an understanding of the whole thing. They, they need to explain it differently. You know, they're explaining it completely wrong. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they must explain that if a rider hits a horse once wrongly or incorrectly, that that is an offence. It's nothing to do with the, the number. The number is wrong. I completely agree with you on that. And and, and, and if, if a rider hits a horse over that, you know, that looks completely wrong, you know, then absolutely, you know, Take his license off him if you want. Do whatever you want to him. But you must do it correctly. Like, you know, must do it in a correct manner. Yeah, there needs to be common sense and it needs to be explained an awful lot better. Uh, and, yes. And the BHA have not done a good job of that at all. Final question. And obviously I have not done a good job on it there, but I'm just <laughs> um, I'm just saying that my thinking on it is, and I was never a stick man. I never, you know, the stick has its purpose for sure. And it's more so for obstacles and getting them away from, from obstacles or, you know, keeping their concentration levels up. That's what a stick is used for. If there is one horse at Gordon's Yard that you could come back for to ride at the Cheltenham Festival, who would it be? There's any amount of them. Any one of them. I'd ride any one of them. It wouldn't matter to me in the morning. Um, but the best of them are... You know, I, I loved riding Conflators. He's a good horse. He jumps fantastic. He will stay. I know he ran the Ryanair last year, but there was reasons behind that. And I think the three mile two in the Gold Cup will suit him. Um, that's the best race on the four days of the festival. So I would love to ride in the Gold Cup and probably Conflators, the way he's performing at the moment. He's the horse. Davey, it's a pleasure talking to you, and I hope that we get to talk to you Thanks, again sir. before Cheltenham 2023. Happy New Year to you, and all the best in your retirement. Top man, thank you.
The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com. New customers only, terms and conditions apply. And by All About Sunday, the ownership experience where you can own three racehorses for only £18.99 per month. Visit AllAboutSunday.com to get involved today.